So my title tonight is Brave Hearts. And I have felt um, very, very, um, very, very um, driven to think about this for a couple of weeks in my own life. I've felt very um, inspired to bring it. Even as I've been preparing it today, I have felt it's so for me. And I also believe that it's for us. Um, and I, I hope it's going to do you some tremendous good. Um, because uh, Chris knew I was speaking on this because I tweeted, I think, about it earlier in the week. So she gave me a postcard yesterday that looked like this. Life takes bravery. And I have been thinking so much about the need to be brave in my own life. So I, what I want to do tonight is just reflect for a few minutes on things I've read, things I've thought, and give you some practical ways where I think we're being called to be incredibly brave and how that might apply to your life. So I've got plenty of slides for you and Robert and I have got this great coded system so he is going to know when to change the slides. I have requested that we can get a clicker that works. I want a clicker. Clickers work. Okay, so um, let's be really practical today about other ways that we might need to be brave and I want us to think in terms of what it's going to mean for us as a community it's not just thinking about ourselves tonight. We're going to think about what it means for us. And obviously within that, we're individuals. But I very much want you to have community hat on because there's things that we have to do together and things we have to be brave about together. Now, this is a great quote from the film called Divergent. Never seen it. But I'm going to read the things out that are on the screen because if people are listening to it, they're not going to be able to read. So I'm going to read it out and it'll also do you good. There are so many ways to be brave in this world. Sometimes bravery involves laying down your life for something bigger than yourself or for someone else. Sometimes it involves giving up everything you've ever known for everyone you have ever loved for the sake of something greater. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's nothing more than gritting your teeth through pain and the work of every day, the slow walk towards a better life. That is the sort of bravery I must have now. So it could be bravery in the face of huge implications for your life, or it can be bravery, and it can be bravery, for those things that we have to do on a day in, day out. Now, a few, I felt very much, when I heard, thought about Braveheart, I remembered that film. Do you remember the film called Braveheart? And I've been thinking about it loads all week. And do you know, it's 20 years to the month since that was released in the UK, on the 8th of September, 2015. Um, and what that, that film, you can put the next one on for me, Robert. If you've never seen it, it's basically probably a part fact, lot of fiction telling of the story of William Wallace, who was a Scottish man who got caught up with the sort of fight with the English. And he basically decided, I'm cutting this really short, but you should watch it again to mark its 20 year anniversary. And because I'm talking about it tonight, he decided it was time to pick a fight with the English. Things were going on. We English people were not being very nice. We were being the dominant force. And he decided, no, somebody has got to do something. No longer should we be suffering the, the oppression of these people who have come in and been dominant. Someone's got to rise up. Now, that was triggered by a personal circumstance in that at that time... If you got married at a Scotsman, your wedding night, your wife had to go and sleep with an English lord. 
or whoever owned the land. My history's not great. But they had to go and be with an English man because the idea was you were going to get pregnant then by the English man. And then your children wouldn't be Scottish. They would be sort of half and half. But you would, what they were doing is trying to dilute the Scottish race. And they were trying to make it that... Again, it was a part of the dominance of that country. And, of course, the Scottish people weren't very happy about that. I mean... You wouldn't, would you, be very happy about that? Now, there's been something about this film for 20 years that is very much linked to who we are at The Rock. And some of you will know that because you've been with us for quite a long time. Some of you might not know that because you've joined us more recently. But it's part of our story, part of our call, and it very much is that because um, Ant felt inspired a few years ago. So I asked him to tell me what it was about the story that inspired him. And I have a quote. I have his picture. Look, nice picture there of your son in yourself. Um, and again, I'm going to read it to you because some of you need to know that this is part of the journey, part of our story. I was a very, very shy child with a chronic nervous disposition, something which I still have to fight constantly. I was captured by something watching Braveheart, which put the inner desire of, if not who I was, then certainly who I aspired to be without the mass killings. Don't know if that's changed 20 years later. Maybe there's a few people you'd like to kill off now. Um, I found the kind of courage and boldness that would challenge the status quo intoxicating. I think it was seeing the courage that would confront a thing to be tyranny and oppression that was drawing on my inmost feelings about the world, mostly the church world, I saw around me. So this film, this idea of having a brave heart and brave heart is part of who we are and is part of our story. And it's very, very, very important. There has always been a prophetic call on this house to challenge the structure of institutionalized religion and reveal something of the true Christ. There has. And if you're part of this, you are part of that and have a part to play in that. And our understanding and revelation of what that looks like and what that means um, is always being refreshed as we move forward. And it's always going to be that because you've got to do it always in the now. So what we needed to do with that 10 years ago is not what we need to do with that now and won't be what we need to do five years from now. Um, and we've heard a lot and been talked, talked um, with a lot about what some of that looks like. Now, we've also heard, and again, I'm recapping because it's important. Some of this has been on a Wednesday and you might not all have heard it. Um, we've also heard a lot about the mischief that has been run amok in institutionalised Christianity. It just has. It's the same sort of mischief that was going on in Scotland with the English lords. What it said was, right, we'll take the bride, the bride of Christ, the church, we'll take the bride, we'll mix that with the law of what the law says makes you right with God. So we'll take this fact that you've been given a gift of righteousness, mix that with everything you've got to do to keep it, and we'll end up with something diluted. We'll end up with something we can dominate. We'll end up with something we control. We'll end up making the true message of the gospel into a weakened version. Now, part of who we are here is about saying, no, we're not getting a weakened version of the gospel. We're getting a 100% pure gospel, but people don't always like that, which is when you need a brave heart. Now, my first call to action today, even within the first five minutes, is for us to be brave 
about that prophetic, and if you don't understand what I mean by prophetic, because I know it's a, it's a churchy word, isn't it, like your Ebenezer, it just means that there's, prophetic just means that there's a voice that's come from outside of our understanding that's that's come from heaven, come from wherever you want to call it, some, a voice that you have to trust that there's, we have to believe that, if, that, that somehow or other there's things that speak to us outside of human understanding. It's that, that kind of a voice, a knowing inside that something else is going on. And we have to be brave about that. We have to accept that that's who we are. And we have to move forward. And we have to all move forward in that. If we want to... Um, if we want to lighten the load, because can you imagine if only a few people, imagine if there's a call on that, on us to be that, but only five people want to do it and the rest of people want to just come along. Can you imagine how hard that makes the fight? The more of us that hear the voice and the more of us that get in the fight, the better it will be. Now, let me carry on. The story of Abraham also reminds us of this challenge. And again, we've had teaching on that. Because Abraham had to believe that Sarah, his aging wife, could birth the promise. I mean, really, surely God can't mean that. He had to believe that it was possible for the promise to come out of the impossible, or he was going to interfere with the process. And he did a little bit of that, and it had implications. And I was thinking about this, thinking, well, it's all wonderful when you get a, a word and a voice and you feel inspired and this is where we're going to walk in. But these things have implications that if you'd known what you were signing up for, you perhaps would have hesitated and you get partway on the journey and think, oh, if I'd known it was kind of going to lead to this, I'm not sure I would have bothered. And the question comes to each of us. I mean, when we're in that point where we think we've got a promise but we're not seeing yet that promise in a form that we're happy with, do you keep believing or do you start interfering? Do you start diluting it? Do you start making it something else? Do you start reading the signs and thinking, well, I know I had a promise, but look at the state of my wife. Better do something else to make this happen. But if you do that, you end up not getting what it was that was the promise. Do I accept a diluted version for myself for my child, because the status quo at least keeps us safe? Or do we challenge it? Do we challenge it even when it's going to cost our life? I mean, Beth and Anth were just talking then about how the things that we were passed down, what are we passing to our children? I'm very conscious of it with Daniel. Sometimes he'll ask me questions that I would have known the answer to, and I am very conscious thinking, I've got to be so careful what I say to you because you will believe me. And if I tell you something that I'm not, I'm telling you because it's just rolling off my tongue because it's always been, but it's not in my heart, I'm passing that on to you and that will become part of your life. But I can't tell you nothing because then if I don't tell you anything, you're looking to me to help you understand. So we have to understand this for ourselves and on behalf of other people. Now, if we neglect to choose something to give our life to, we will give away our life for something that may not be worth and may not be a worthy cause. I liked these. If you're brave enough to say goodbye, life will reward you with a new hello. That links to beginnings last week, doesn't it? The secret to a rich life is to have more beginnings than endings. And let me explain what I mean by this. Um, about a year ago now, I left my job and I loved my job. 
well, Graham will tell you, no, you didn't. He's looking at me going, no, you didn't. Um, I loved my job up to a point, and then it got to the point where I didn't love it anymore, and it was time for that to end. So I thought, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. This is hard to leave something I've been very attached to and I've spent my life on and probably spent too much of my life on, but I'm going to leave. So left my job, new job, more time, less responsibility, less stress. But I've felt myself in the last couple of weeks thinking, holding back on, on my life. I felt myself not um, throwing myself into new responsibilities and not quite being willing to sort of be all in for anything. And I realised it was because I've stopped being brave because in that old job, I felt a bit spent up. I felt like it took too much of me. It was too stressful. Um, and there's a part of you that thinks, well, if I just avoid responsibility and avoid stepping into anything again, then I won't ever feel like that again. Have you ever been there where you think I'm just going to avoid it? Um, and it seems to be safer then to stay just with a new status quo. You think I've got my life over here, my life's working for me, my life's working great. But then you cannot be stepping in to take full responsibility for what you know is in you. And there are some of you like me in here tonight that know there are things in you that you feel that you're supposed to give and supposed to bring and we're going to be. And yet, for some reason, you've ended up in a new status quo in your life. And it's almost like you've thought, well, you know, I'll just be over here. And I know tonight that there's, there's a fresh challenge for you to be brave and to think, right, some stuff might have ended. Maybe some stuff didn't work out how you thought it was going to do. Maybe this looks different to what you planned, but if you don't embrace a beginning and you don't move forward, you end up in this sort of no man's land. You just put the next slide up for me. I was very, very challenged by this today. This is Theodore Roosevelt. This is tremendously challenging. It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again because there is not effort without error and shortcomings, but who does, not, who does actually strive to do the deed, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause." I love that. Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory or defeat. I found that today so unbelievably challenging because I had to ask myself, am I spending my life on a worthy cause or am I just in a status quo in my life? Have I given my life to a worthy enough cause? Um, and I felt so incredibly challenged by that that I realised today that there have been even times this week when I have been a critic but not willing myself to be in the arena. But I'm feeling that call to be braver. Now, I guess in a nutshell, this is what I'm saying. Now, I'm not trying to be rude or flippant, but I sat in a conference this week with work in London, and I was bored silly. I was absolutely bored silly in this conference. It was rubbish. 
that's not fair. No, it was, well, I didn't enjoy it. I, I was bored silly. Um, and what happened afterwards was I got in the car with my colleague and she's become a really good friend of mine. And we had a taxi from like Westminster to the um, train station at rush hour. So it took about an hour. And we pulled the thing apart. We, we critiqued it. We said we didn't like this speaker. We didn't like that speaker. That wasn't very good. We should have done that. I mean, we pulled it apart and we had a whale of a time doing it. Um, and I was thinking about this today. I didn't think I'd give it another moment's thought, just got on the train. And then when I was preparing this today, I just thought, that's not okay. And I'll tell you why I don't think that's okay. Because I thought, did I, have I come away thinking, this is the company I work for, how can I contribute something positively to it? If I don't think it was good enough, have I thought to myself, right, what will I do? What will I bring to it? Can I offer to prepare something? Should I phone up and speak to someone and say, it didn't quite work? Instead of sitting in a taxi, slagging it off with my friend, what, have I, what am I, I going to get in the arena and help make it better? Because if not, I really just need to shut up. Now, what I've put in here is this. Um, I either embrace it for what it is, Appreciate those who have vested hours of their time for me and others to be the recipient of it. See that it was not actually there just to serve me and that others found it incredibly useful and be quiet. Or I get in the arena and be part of serving it somehow. Now think of your life. Think of your work life, think of your church life, think of your home life. Have you become someone who is a, criti a critic, but not in the arena? Because if you're not prepared to be in the arena, then perhaps we should stop being a critic. But I'd rather everybody got in the arena. I'd rather everybody got in the arena. Now, that is another way in which I think we have to be brave. For me to send an email and just to say, oh, um, and you, you, to get that right and to do that from the right heart takes bravery, but at least it's better than sitting in a taxi, isn't it? Just, it's better. Um, being brave, and this is what it says on the next slide, being brave means to know something is scary, difficult, and dangerous and doing it anyway because the possibility of winning the fight is worth the chance of losing it. And I wonder whether that's how you define what a worthy cause is. So the worthy cause is the possibility that we could win this fight makes it worth the risk that we might not. So the fight isn't about winning the argument, proving we were right, getting our own way. The fight is much more than that. For me, it's about making a way for love, life, truth, true freedom to flow as part of an authentic gospel. What if we could win that fight? What if we could win the fight that when people hear the term Christianity, when people hear the word Jesus, they associate it with the most positive, loving, incredible, supportive, beautiful, inclusive thing that they've ever heard. Do you think that's what they associate it with now? I don't think so. What if we could win that fight? What if we could rebrand Jesus? What if we could rebrand Jesus and win that fight? That would be spending ourselves on a worthy cause. Um, I don't want to be so afraid of breaking the status quo of my own safety zones 
that I leave others to stick their neck out while I hang back because I'm unconvinced about some of the detail. This is how I can feel, and so can you. If you st- why stick your neck out if you don't have to? If you're right, no one will remember, and if you're wrong, people will ask a lot of questions. We can think to ourselves, if I stick my neck out, I won't be safe. So we'll let others have a go. I'm not completely convinced. I'll hang back over here. And if it works out, then I'll join in. And I think I'm not all right with that for me. I'm not all right with that for me. And I was challenged today tremendously to think I want to be brave enough to stick my own neck out and spend myself on a worthy cause, not expect others to do it while I don't. Now, I liked this... this, um, Well, as giraffes say, you don't get no leaves unless you stick your neck out. (laughs) I don't like the grammar in that, I have to say. But um, it sounds quite cute, but it's actually sticking your neck out. Do you know, it's linked, apparently, on the internet. It might be something else. It's linked to the guillotine. Because if you're taking a risk to the point where you stick your neck out, you might get it chopped off if it doesn't go quite right. Um, it's talk, it talks about how it's linked to putting your money where your mouth is. It's an open affront to challenge the established order at the cost of one's head by beheading or hanging. So if it fails, it's off with your heads. Yay! <laughs> now, sometimes it will feel like, have you ever stuck your neck out? And then you've just thought, I don't know why I bothered because my head just got chopped off. It doesn't feel right, but this is when we come back to what we heard last week. Sticking your neck out might lead to some endings, but there's always going to be beginnings. And that's part of the beautiful thing about this gospel. It will feel like an ending, a failure, but then you'll get in, in, in a, the beginning. And the reason why you, we can take risks is because we'll always get an in the beginning. And that's where we have to put our faith that we're not going to start something in case it comes to an end, that we're going to start things and do things, because even if that bit of it comes to an end, there'll be something else to start and begin and do, and it will always, there'll always be a new beginning. Now, Beth played a song last week, um, and um, she said it was going to be cheesy, and I liked it. (laughs) I liked the song. And there was this line in it that said, I am more than you think I am. And it was Jesus saying, I'm more than you think I am. Um, And the truth is that we're all even more than we think we are. We really, this isn't the entirety of our experience and our expression. There's so much more in us to come out, so much more in us to be revealed. Um, And there's a line in the Bible in Esther where she was basically... Perhaps you were born for such a time as this. She lived at a time when things were going on and she had to decide if she was going to stick her neck out. Some of you will know the story. Was she going to stay in the status quo of how she was supposed to behave or was she going to stick her neck out, risk something for the sake of something else? And she had to be brave and speak in a way that was contrary to how she was supposed to speak at the time because a worthier cause called her. Now, are we prepared to be brave in what that means for us? Um, For what that means for you? Or will the detail win and the history win and the fears win and the differences win and our self-protection win? Or are we going to do something brave and bold and brilliant? Um, Will we spend ourselves on a worthy cause 
or will we only be the recipients of it? Um, I feel tremendously challenged about this today. I feel challenged about what getting in the arena will mean for my life. I, I genuinely, hand on heart, believe that, that the... I'm trying to think how to call it, that what churches and Christianity is, is changing around the world. It is. We are in a, we are in a, I don't know what you call it, there is a transition between what it has been and what it will be. And we are called to be ice breaking at the front of that. We are. And I think if we don't do it, it is still going to happen and others are going to do it. But we're called to be part of it we're called to be at the forefront, and we, we really, really are. And I'm saying that because I want some of you to hear that, not from the words I'm saying. Some of you need to hear in here that we are part of something enormous, historic, shift, shifting sands. We are part of something. And sometimes we get lost in the detail, in what we can see, in things that have happened, in what it looks like. And we can miss the story beyond that we're actually part of something incredibly significant. Now, um, please hear my heart when I say this. It says, take courage for I am with you. Um, I'm not saying, I can, I'm almost afraid that I'm going to sound like I'm up to that mischief. God's given you the gift of saying, do you know what? You're loved, accepted, forgiven, done, but you better be brave or else I'm not. I believe that is already in you. It's already in us. It's who we are. The bravery comes not from us achieving it, but from taking the courage and letting it come out of us. So I'm not saying you've got to chase something. I'm saying this is already in you and we've got to be willing to have it revealed. So I'm just going to give you a handful of practical things that this is going to mean for your life, okay? I'm going to give you the biggest one first and I'm not going to say any more about it. First one, Robert. I don't know what to say. That, that takes bravery. That takes bravery. So if you want to be part of getting in the arena, think right now of every personal thing you see as an enemy. And to get in the arena, you've got to start by loving it. It's not easy, is it? You've got to love it. You've not got to love it because you like it. You love it because you think... It's, that is going to serve me and work for me and it is not going to be bigger than the grace and what I am in receipt of in my life because his love to me is limitless. So I'm not going to do that out of my source. I'm going to do that out of his. That's our first challenge where we need to be brave. The second one, this is what Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. He said things that were offensive I mean, offensive. And the second challenge practically tonight is that we need to all be brave enough to hear beyond the words that you find so offensive. Um, that was blasphemy to Jesus' audience. It was. It, it was utter blasphemy. And they were devout, religious God followers. But he was seeking to move them beyond what was established to something new, rich, and a greater revelation. So we have to be willing to, to hear beyond the stuff that we might even find blasphemous, beyond the stuff that makes us go, oh, and to get beyond that to a point where even though our understanding of it right now, it's just jarring against everything we ever had. We have to be brave enough in the arena to wrestle some of that stuff out, to say, right, 
I've always thought this. I'm hearing this. It's not fitting together, but I'm not taking myself out of the fight. I'm staying in it and I'm going to reach a new revelation and I'm going to understand and stick with it and push through on it. Don't get stuck in the offense. I've put in capital letters, exclamation mark, please, please don't get stuck in an offense. Um, just, Just don't have the conversations. The next one, be brave enough to measure. I like, do you have a perfume called Pure Grace? That's nice, isn't it? Um, Be brave enough to measure things on pure grace, not your own idea of purity. Um, Sometimes we have an idea of, well, this is similar to the one I've just said. Sometimes we have an idea of this is what it should look like. Um, I've shared this before, and I, I love this idea that, you know, incredible is the opposite of credible. When you hear the word incredible, it's a really positive word. Um, but everyone wants everything to sort of feel credible. I mean, what does credible mean? That somehow it's believable. But yet incredible is something we associate with really positively. And um, Now, sometimes we doubt the credibility and trustworthiness of people and things when we see that they're flawed. And to us, that means that there must be lacking, lacking to do the job. Well, that's not perfect over there, and that person's not perfect over there, and that's not right. So then what we say is, well, because it's not right, it's not credible. What if it's incredible? What if the beauty of this pure grace is the fact that it can take flawed, imperfect things and do something incredible with it. What about if the thing that qualifies us is the fact that we're not credible in our own strength, but we get a gift of righteous, and that makes what can be done in our lives absolutely incredible. Um, We're in awe, aren't we, if something's incredible? Now, are we looking... Someone said to me um, a couple of weeks ago, they said, you know, if we're accepted, what about if people don't ever change? You know, sort of you think, that's a good question. Um, And I thought, are we seeking for transformation, for this kingdom that comes to have a transforming power in people's lives? And I think, well, of course we are, but the the transformation is in the name of giving people freedom. It's not in the name of including them in the thing. So they can still be included if they never change, but you hope that the change will come because you want them to be the beneficiaries of that in their life. You want their life to be better, but it's not a prerequisite for them being included in the thing. Um, We also need to be brave to choose faith, hope, and love in the face of sight, despair, and fear. Um, I liked those pictures. Um, Not so long ago, I talked about um, the law of sin and death versus the spirit of life. And we learned that with the law of sin and death, it will always partner with what we can see, with despondency and with hatred. So tonight, are you bogged down with what you can see? Do you feel despondent? Do you feel hate? Because if so, it might be that you've got pulled into the law of law of sin and death that's always going to pull you to those things. But actually, there's another law. There's a, a law of the faith, hope and love that you can activate something else in your life that can leave you with tremendous hope. Um, And it's in a new dawn. We're back to beginnings again. I decided that someone should have a baby in church and call it dawn. I don't want it to be me. Don't want more babies. I think someone should have a baby, if it's a girl or a boy, call it dawn because I would like to see dawn in here every time we meet as a symbolic reminder that we always get a new dawn. So someone volunteer for that, not me. Now the next one. um, 
be, this is like an invisible person on the bench. We're nearly there. Um, this one for me represented that we have to be brave enough to be noble. In the, in the Bible, Joseph, um, who was going to marry Mary, Mary gets pregnant with God's baby. Let's just not go there and try and unpick that. But it says he was chagrined but noble, which means he was quite ticked off about it, but he decided to do the right thing. And in your life, simply put, there might be times where to make the noble choice to do what someone else needs and for the bigger picture, you have to be invisible And you can't explain your side of the story or share your side of the story or be seen because the noble choice somehow involves you having to not be able to to say. And that is incredibly hard. But some of you, the bravery of you being in the arena is to say, do you know what? I might have to be silent about it. I might have to be misunderstood about that. But that will be my noble choice. And that that is not easy at all. Um, Paradoxically, that's a good word, we also need to be brave to be visible. Um, Sometimes we make ourselves invisible because we're too afraid to be visible, especially when there's things going off. How often, and I do it, how often do something kicks off and we think, oh, I'm just going to go and disconnect and stand over here where I'm safe. And some of you tonight, I'm challenging you to be visible in the areas where you feel scared. Because you're scared of some stuff and you're afraid of some stuff. You've gone somewhere safe, but actually in going somewhere safe, you've taken yourself out of the arena and then it don't, you're not feeling fulfilled and you're not feeling satisfied where you are because you went over here to be safe when actually your role is to be in the thing. And so I'm challenging you tonight to be brave enough to be visible. Even in the midst of your flaws, your doubts, your mistakes, your differences and disagreements, be visible in them and stay in it. And trust not in the perfection of people and your relationships, but the goodness of the worthy cause that we're all in the arena for. You trust in the goodness of the worthy cause. You don't have to trust in perfect people You trust in the cause and the worthiness of the cause. And when we disconnect because our expectations aren't fulfilled, um, that's when your team breaks down. That's when there's no team to get the job done. Jesus says to Thomas, um, after he rises from the dead, and Thomas isn't sure, he has his doubts. Jesus says, put your hands in my wound. You can touch it, Thomas, touch my wound. And when our wounds are touched... um, do we, are we willing to stay when someone touches our wounds or when someone touches a sensitive area of our life, do we, do, do we leave? Let's stay connected to each other. Um, and finally, actually there's two more. We say some people can't be trusted. Do you know Jesus put Judas in charge of his money and yet he was a thief? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Um, and again, it's been taught here over a number of years. Jesus knew that the provision that was coming to him from the Father could not outsteal what someone in his life would seek to take away. Again, he had to trust in something bigger. And finally, there was this wonderful um, story of Peter. And I pinched this from a tweet I saw. Um, we have to be believed that we can get an and. After Peter fails, and we heard this from Chris a few weeks ago, and he denies Jesus, and he makes a bit of a mess of it. Jesus' words were, uh, when he rose from the dead, was, go tell the disciples and tell Peter. He names him 
He names him. He sends a message to him that says, no matter what's gone on, no matter the mistakes you've made, you can still be part of this. And for some of you, you might need an and. An and Shirley. An and Angela. An and Vicky. That you know that actually whatever's gone on up until this point, he's saying, this message is for you and you need to come back into the arena and be part of this. So my conclusion, quite simply, is that we need to be brave. One or two of those things might have spoken to you. You might know in your life that you're just scared of some stuff. But we have to be brave. We need to be part of a worthy cause. We have a job to do. We need a team who'll go with us in heart. And some of you might be thinking, well, tell me what I'm supposed to do. and what we Give me some action. We need to be connected in heart. And we need to go forward. And I think there's going to be some key things that we need to do in the next 12 to 18 months. I really do. I think they're going to be really important. And we need to be connected in heart, together on a worthy cause. And we need to be brave. And some of you need to get back in the arena, take your place, um, and be part of something brilliant. And spend your life on a worthy cause, not just let it pass you by. So I'm done. I'm done. Thanks, Jen. All right, just a minute before we go and uh, devour all the Italian food that's been prepared. One of the great lines in Braveheart was that all men die, but not all men truly live. And really echoes a lot of what um, Jenny says it. It takes no bravery, really, to die because death is inevitable. The bravery you need is the bravery to live. Because death doesn't come by choice. Death comes by inevitability. But life doesn't happen by inevitability. Life happens by choice. And uh, sadly, the only Jesus some of you know is the domesticated Jesus, the house-trained Jesus. The Jesus with the white beard and nice and clean, holding the lamb, or with the babies on his knee. Um, It's not the Jesus who shakes up our world and, and challenges our existence and calls us to something bigger and something greater and and something more, the Jesus who has experiences where a woman's life is in his hands. She's been found guilty by the religious people, and her life is now in Jesus' hands. He, he can just join the crowd. He cannot want to speak up because he's about to say what they don't want to hear. Or he can step forward, regardless of how popular or unpopular it makes him feel, and say, there is a different word, there is a different message. And as Jesus was in that situation, the Bible says that he bent down and he wrote in the sand and said, if any of you never got anything wrong, be my guest, throw a stone. Now here's the thing, he says that one by one, beginning at the oldest, they turned away and walked away. So Jesus writing in the sand didn't make them come to him, it made them walk away from him But he was concerned about the life of the woman being in his hand. More concerned than just popularity and acceptance. And he was concerned about making a difference. Now, whose life is in your hands? Your own life, someone else's life, the life of a community. So so the question is, are you going to 
go with the flow of the crowd or are you prepared to challenge the status quo? Are you prepared to meet the Jesus of the Bible rather than the Jesus of popular religion? The Jesus who is not house trained, right? The Jesus who, who, who is different. That's the Jesus that I want you to meet. Truth is, when you meet that Jesus, those are the kind of people who change their world and then change the world around them. And that is the Jesus who came from God. That's the Jesus I want you to meet. It's the Jesus we're pursuing. I hate the fact that I've been writing in the sun for many years and you look up and you see people have walked away. But then you see the woman. For me, the church is the woman. The Bible talks about the church as being... Then I see the woman that needed to be saved, and you think, I'm glad. So, Jen, I'm with you. I'm calling you to greater bravery. Bravery requires commitment. Commitment requires sacrifice. Sacrifice always has its rewards. But we've not bigged on sacrifice because we don't want you to think that God loves you by the extent to which you sacrifice yourself. He loves you by the extent to which he sacrificed his self so he says, now come join me on this and see what happens. Let the miracles, the dynamics, the, the same power that, that was with Jesus be the same power that, that touches you. So I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for what we've heard. Thank you for the call to bravery. Thank you for the challenge of our life in our hands and others' life in our hands. Um, thank you for the challenge to follow not the domesticated Jesus, not the house-trained Jesus, but the Jesus who said, eat my body and drink my blood. Uh, very unorthodox, very difficult to understand sometimes, but revolutionizing for everybody who caught it. I pray that our ears will be open and our eyes will see this wonderful understanding of the wisdom that comes from heaven that will change our lives and make us brave and make us bold as we take that decision to stand and make us bold enough like with the Scots in William Wallace to lift our kilt and uh, let everything that stands against us know what our response is to the demand to surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we love you. If you've got any questions, we're always hanging around. We're always here to talk. Um, if you want to stay, please do. It's not free, but it is fantastic. Okay? Uh, Throw in pillars in the back. Uh, for tonight. Other than that, hope to see you Wednesday or whenever it is that we uh, cross paths again. And thanks, Jen. We love you and appreciate you in Jesus' name. All right. Done.